food scavenger hunts, a scary market statue, and walking out of your way for the best food destination in Rome. This week, it's all about markets. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, and this is Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where we talk about the great cuisine of the world on the Destination Eat Drink podcast and at DestinationEatDrink.com. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. This week, I'm revisiting some of my favorite conversations about markets. We'll talk about an amazing market in Rome, a famous market in Philly, and a bunch of markets in France. Plus, I talk with my pals, the Frugal Travelers, about my own local market here where I live in Setubal, Portugal. It's funny because this market here in Setubal is world famous. It's been recognized as one of the best in the world, yet I just walk there every day or every other day for my carrots and avocados and whatever else happens to be in season at that moment. And by the way, can you do me a favor while you're here? If you've been enjoying the show, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform so we can get the word out to all the other foodie travelers around the world. All right, I'm starving. I'm ready to go shopping, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Katie Parla is a cookbook author, foodie guide, and Emmy-nominated television host. She tells me about her favorite market in her adopted city of Rome. Just a couple of blocks from the busiest location in town, um, is the Triomphale Market, which is the heart of the Triomphale District. And that's where I always start my mornings. Even though I live in Monteverde Vecchio, which has two public markets of its own, I constantly go to the Triomphale Market because it is huge and sprawling and wonderful and has some of my favorite farm stalls um, and great fishmongers and just an overall amazing vibe. Um, and it's close to cool, delicious food that I want to eat um, at Panivicio Bonchi and Pizzarium. Uh, there's a great deli called La Tradizione. Um, there's an awesome wine shop. It's kind of my favorite food destination. Um, and, you know, we can talk more about this, but in Rome, food isn't only consumed sitting down at a long restaurant meal. There's a lot of stuff that you eat on the fly. I love getting pastries at Panivicio Bonchi or a roast pork sandwich. Um, heading to Pizzaria, having pizza by the slice, um, and then, you know, maybe save a full meal for, for dinner. Oh, lots of great topics there. We got pizza, we got pastries, we got wine. But I want to ask you about this market itself, because I've talked about this many times on the podcast, but it's worth talking about here, because my favorite thing to do is go to one of these markets, pick out a few things, some cheese, some bread, maybe some wine, and have a picnic. So, we can do this here at this market. Maybe tell us a couple of the, uh, maybe an indigenous cheese that we might get there. And then where would we go? Is there a place nearby that we can walk to where we could enjoy a picnic and maybe do some people watching, Katie? So that's that's a really fun thing to do. There's a, a really cool stall in the easternmost part of the market near the main entrance. It's sandwiched between butchers, but they don't have any fresh meat. It's all cured meats and cheeses. And I would look for 
Pecorino Romano, which is made oh, of course. Um, well locally with the footnote that by law it can be made in southern Tuscany and any uh, county in Sardinia. But the Pecorino Romano that that stall carries is authentically made in the outskirts of Rome. I'd actually grab some bread. You know, closer to the back, there's a, a stall that sells wood-fired uh, baked bread from uh, the hills outside of Rome. Oh, yeah. I'd also talking. get plenty of fruit. Um, and the vendors at the uh, western side uh, of the market are wonderful and have the rare opportunity of providing farm direct sales, which is not the norm in Italian markets. Most vendors are middlemen. They may sell a few of their own products, but at the Triomphale market, the, the light green banners in the stalls uh, signal that the stall is uh, run by a farm and most of the things on the counter are uh, of their own cultivation. Matt Shalizi is a foodie tour guide for Philadelphia City Food Tours. He talks about one of the best markets in the U.S., the Reading Terminal Market. I love the Reading Terminal Market. If, if I recall correctly, years and years ago, I bought a, a mortar and pestle from a little kitchen utility shop in there. And that thing lasted me over 20 years before I finally ended up dropping it on a concrete floor and breaking it. I I would just say, man, when you go to Philly, go to the Reading Terminal Market and plan to spend at least a couple hours. You could spend easily half a day there and not see everything at the Reading Terminal Market. Uh, A lot of people, when they come to Philadelphia, a big destination for them to go to is the Reading Terminal Market. And they are right in doing that. And the market brings in so many visitors, locals, and other people who frequent Philadelphia. There really is something for everyone because locals will go there to do their food shopping. They'll go to the butchers. They'll get their seafood from there. They'll go get their produce. But then people who live around Philadelphia and come in for work, they'll go to the Reading Market weekly for lunches. And then you also get the visitors to Philadelphia who want to go there to check it out and try something unique and see what's there. And the market, really, you can find anything and everything there. And if you go to any particular vendor, you might look at their menu and say, oh, this is a cookie stand that they just make cookies. Or I'll go to, let's say, one of the other stands that they just make um, corn dogs that you might think this is their specialty, but those chefs are capable of a lot. And I've seen the chefs on the Rainbow Market that they go on these other cooking shows, they are in these other competitions, and they do really well on a national level. So it's amazing to know that we have this talent right here within our market. And you can find many international dishes. We have Kamal's Middle Eastern in there, Profi's Crepery. Uh, we have a lot of Latin, just Indian places. We also have a lot of vendors that are Amish. So you have that that like central PA flavor coming into our market, like Miller's Twist, the Dutch Amy Place, Hatfield Deli. We also have places that Philly is really known for. Um, for example, a lot of Philadelphians are so proud of like Hermanis, Mercanoli, uh, Baylor's Donuts, Bassett's Ice Creams, Denick's uh, uh, roast pork sandwiches and cheesesteaks and, and Carmen's as well. But then in addition to that, we also have little shops and other fun places like Flying Monkey Bakery. They have so many <laughs> delicious, amazing, creative treats and Fox and Sons that has their menu uh, crafted after almost like carnival food. So they have like corn dogs and cheese curds and poutine and funnel cake. So you can find a lot of amazing dishes in there. And with City Food Tours, we actually offer a scavenger hunt activity to do of the Reading Terminal Market. Oh, fun. 
it is such a fun thing to to lead, but I know that as the guest, it's even more fun than that, where we give you like a list of questions and you're in small teams, maybe like two or three people per team. And you run around the market answering all these questions and riddles, and you have to physically be in the market to find the answers to these. So once you're able to work your way through, you make your way back to the front. It's a timed activity, but it's a great team building activity. Well, we get a lot of uh, businesses that want to do it. We get schools that want to do it, even just friends that want to have a nice activity to do together as well. And, uh, it, and the winning team is a little edible, delicious prize for the market itself. So it really is a fun thing. And then we take some of our other tours into the Reading Summer Market as well to explore it and, and show some of the, our prize vendors in there. Mandy and Lee are YouTube's frugal travelers. They were on the show talking about their frugal travel tips and the Livramento market, which is near and dear to my heart because this now famous market is the market in my town of Setubal. And I shop there at least three or four times a week. Yes, oh, definitely. It's the, excuse my pronunciation, Mercado de Livramento. And absolutely beautiful, isn't it? It was built in 1930, completely remodeled in 2010. I think the azulejos, the beautiful blue tiles at the back, yes, they are old, I think. And apparently it's one of the best fish markets in Portugal. And in 2015, the U.S. newspaper, USA Today, called it one of the best markets in the world. So that's pretty high praise indeed. And we just, we loved it. It was so wonderful. The olives were delicious and cheap. I think they were two ninety nine a kilo. There were amazing fish. We saw those marlin there one day. Yeah. Swordfish, swordfish. And, yeah, all sorts yeah. of varieties. And all the different types of bread and honey and yeah. there was like crafts as well. Little old ladies had made all these yeah. beautiful little things. And, it, and it's so hustle bustle, you know, it's not a touristy place. It's all full of locals doing their daily shopping. And even if you don't want any food, like you could just go in there and walk around and just watch the world go by. It's 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 just such a wonderful place full of life. Definitely. Mm. I think my biggest regret from there is the only photos I took of the lovely statues in the middle of, of the butcher. And he's standing there with butcher's apron covered in blood. And mm. I didn't, like ever since I've seen, you know, other other blogs and videos, they've always got the lovely ones, the lady with a fish on her head and the lady holding the bread. And no, no, I've only got the one of the butcher. So. <laughs> that, that statue is a little bit macabre. I mean, you walk in there, there's a guy with a giant, a giant butcher cleaver covered yeah. in blood. And you're like, is this the set of The Shining or is this a market? Welcome to the market. <laughs> Buy your stuff and get out. <laughs> Walking in there, the prices Again, I mean, we talk about frugal tips, but man, mm. uh, for a kilo of olives for three euros, I mean, if you do the yeah. math, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> In the U.S., we get a little tiny plastic container of olives for $8. It oh, doesn't wow. even be, I mean, this is quality olives. We're not talking the stuff yes. out of the tin, you know, good olives. Yeah. But you go into this market and it's unbelievable quality. Um, yes. the, yeah. the tomatoes are all just delicious off the vine. We bought it's yes. citrus season. Now we bought a branch of clementines still attached to the branch <laughs> with the leaves on it. We've been snacking on those for a few days. It is an amazing experience. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, about the Livramento market is circling the market 
are several smaller shops. So there is a yes. wine shop, mm -hmm. there's an olive oil shop, and there's one of my favorite uh, vegetarian restaurants. Uh, I think it's called Bloomy Market, which is right there. Um, it's in the it's in the Livramento Market, but you have to go in from the outside. Like you can't enter it yes. directly from mm -hmm. the inside. But all these little shops and stuff like that is is really cool as well. And uh, I would encourage people to check those places out as well as the stalls on the inside of the market. And also the one on the if you're looking at it from the front, the right-hand front corner, the shop that sells snails. Oh, that made me laugh. I think I included a photo in our video because they are quite popular here in Portugal, same as France, caracol, caracoles. And, mm. yeah, so you can buy your snails as well to cook up if you want. I've also seen people on the street in Stubel just sitting on a, a upturned milk crate with a bucket of snails next to them and bunches of asparagus with them as well yeah and so i i guess it must be a very popular meal snails and asparagus because i always see them with both things next uh oh. sitting next to them so um i haven't had the uh courage to approach one of these guys no. and ask him about it but i i'm <laughs> going to imagine that this is a famous dish somehow in portugal or maybe in stubel specifically because this is where i've seen it that makes so much sense Something we need to try yes oh one thing i would definitely say like this is a major frugal travel tip something that we always do whenever we go and buy anything if we go to like a local market or if we go to a restaurant or anything like that we always ask the price first so when we go to markets we tend to stop at the stalls that have prices on them because you just you never know it's always it just makes so much sense like we do it everywhere in the world i do it back home as well like we always like to know the price first because there's nothing worse than i don't know if you go out to dinner with friends and they order just randomly off the menu and then the bill comes and it's that, you know, they pay their share and they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that much. It's like, well, you always look at the price. You work it out. Mm. So just that's one thing I definitely stress to everyone. Always check the price before you buy. Cameron Hewitt is a tour guide book writer for Rick Steves Europe. Cameron also recently released his travel memoir, The Temporary European. He and I talked about some of our favorite markets, and he tells me about visiting seven markets in seven days. The chapter is called Seven Markets in Seven Days. It's a trip where my wife and I had a, had a week off, um, and we could have done anything. And we'd been to kind of run through Provence a couple of times and sampled a couple markets. And we said, you know, we just want to relax and settle in. So let's go for a whole week. And what's great about French markets is they're kind of traveling markets. So every day of the week, they're in a different town. Sometimes it's the same vendor. Sometimes it's a different assortment. But basically, from anywhere you are in the south of France, on, on any day of the week, you can look it up and there's probably a, a, a daily street market going on in some town within a half hour, hour's drive of you. And then the next day, there'll be one in a different town. So we put together this itinerary that allowed us to kind of sample seven very different markets. And it's it's funny, I it doesn't even occur to me which one is my favorite because I think what I liked about that experience and what I like about any time I go to a French market is the variety. I, I think each one kind of has its own personality um, and, and sort of the joy of it is exploring. And, you know, sometimes you start to recognize vendors from other markets, other times you find something new, um, but you kind of can't, can't go wrong. Um, and I think because there's rotation, um, you know, it's really a community event. I think that might be part of why it sort of feels special. I agree with that. You know, people who live in the area know that, you know, Tuesday is the market day for this town. And so they'll make a point to go in in the morning and do their shopping. And there's just great traditions with that. For example, you know, the market usually winds down around noon and that's when they start closing up shop. But around 1130, all the local shoppers who've, who've driven in from the country 
um, they kind of, there's this moment where you realize everyone's kind of scrambling for the cafe tables as the market winds down. And by 1115, 1130, all of the outdoor cafe tables fill up and everyone just sits out and catch, you know, catches up with friends and sips coffee and then watches as the vendors close up their shops, uh, close up their, their, their stalls. Um, it's, it's really kind of a way of life, uh, to, to kind of go between French markets. We were in Arles on Saturday morning a couple of years back, and that's the day, that's the market day in Arles. And mm -hmm. what struck me was the big bins full of powdered spices and whole spices and herbs and fresh plants and things of that nature. And it was just a fantastic feast of uh, smells and colorful sights, something that I will never forget. Um, I, I love being at the market in Arles. Have, have you been there? And what's your opinion of the market in Arles? You know, I don't think I've been to Arles on market day. I've, I've been through on other times. I'm thinking, since you asked, I'm thinking about what are my favorites. I think for all-purpose markets, I really like uh, Uzes, uh, which is up kind of near the Pont de Garde. Um, and then another one called, uh, I'm not very good with, the funny thing is I'm kind of mooning over French uh, markets. I'm not, I don't travel in France as much as, as I do in some places. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, <laughs> I, I'm steep on the learner as well. But there's a town, I think it's pronounced Lourmarin, L-O-U-R-M-A-R-I-N, um, which is sort of halfway between the heart of Provence and the and the Riviera to the coastline. So Uzès and Lourmarin are two of my favorite all-purpose but I like we we went to one uh, my wife and I a little a little tiny like gravel parking lot uh, called uh, Custelet C O U S T E L L E T, um, and this was the most local one we went to and that was that was really fun because it was just you know twenty minutes away from Il Sur la Sorgue which is one of the big famous markets, uh, and it was on the same day. So in the morning we went to this little uh, Custelet market and it was it was entirely local. I don't think tourists go there at all. And that was really fun because it was just this kind of dumpy gravel parking lot and people would just back up their pickup trucks trucks and <laughs> drop down the tailgate and put out a folding table. And, oh and my God. it was it was very kind of no must, no fuss. The Whereas uh, the more tourist, yeah, more of the tourist towns like Arles and Uzes and these other places are, are certainly more charming, but they're they're definitely somewhat dressed up uh, beyond that. So Okay, there you go. Hopefully I've inspired you to visit the local market when you travel. It's one of those things I always try to do when I go to a new place. And also visit your local farmer's market. You'll not only get some great food, but it's also a great way to socialize with the local growers as well as your neighbors. I've got links to all my guests as well as their full episodes of Destination Eat Drink and the places they visit in their show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED196. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, I've got TV host and producer Michaela Malazzi on the show. The new season of her show, Bare Feet, has debuted on PBS. We'll be talking to her about making a TV show during the pandemic as well as some of the great places she ate at while making the show. Don't miss that. And while you're waiting for that, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I've got over 45 foodie travel guides to cities around the world and hundreds and hundreds of blog posts about food and travel. In fact, I just posted a story about a six-hour journey I took as I searched for a particular coffee drink. Yep, six hours for one drink. Read about that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who wonders why they don't serve rum and Cokes at the farmer's market, Ed Silla. 
Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 